than I normally been doing. Uh, I normally hide behind this podium, and uh, this is my safe spot. I'm not a very good speaker. I don't speak a whole lot to people. Uh, but the, my message tonight is this, my choice by grace. I just want y'all to remember that because it's going to take me a minute to get to that point. You know, we live in a very good country, and we take our freedoms for granted. You know, a lot of us don't even realize what we have. Uh, you don't really... You're not free if you're influenced by the things of the world. And the world will tell you how to live your life, tell you the things that you should and shouldn't do, whatever will make you happy what it make you feel better about yourself. Rather, it's our culture doing it. It's TV doing it. People get into drugs and alcohol, get into morality of all sorts. And for the most part of it, they get into things that are just disregarding God's commands for our lives. And the one thing is, is if you ever noticed that everything that this world tries to tell us is good for us, it's actually contradicting God's commands for us. But in 2 Corinthians it says that we must bring all thoughts captive. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We shouldn't allow these thoughts to set in our minds. They'll eventually stagnate. And these are the darts that the enemy are throwing at us. And I always go back to this. Is if you had an arrow in your flesh, you wouldn't leave it. You'd remove it. You'd have it cleaned. You'd have it stitched. Because if you didn't, you'd get infected. And it could cause a loss of a limb, or worse, the person's life. And that's exactly how it is for to allow those thoughts to set into your mind and they soak down into your spirit. It's dangerous for us. It, it does, and it's very deadly for our spirits for that to be in there. Many people argue that there's no such thing as spiritual bondage for believers, and that's, they have a right for that opinion. But as we read in the Bible, there are several people there whom Jesus delivered that were deaf, dumb, blind, and lame. The scripture speaks of people who have heard and not understood and who have perceived, who have seen but not perceived. The Bible's talking about people seeing the truth. And this is, which our, this is what our enemy's trying to destroy for each of us. He has deluded the minds of mankind and continues to work on our children. Just visit the schools and how they shut the mouths of believers, anybody that would stand up for these youngins. And their silence is... It's harming these kids. There's not much light in these dark areas where our children are. And they're going to pay the price for it. And they're going to suffer. And our nation, and how the Word of God's been moved from the government buildings and from the schools, and the more and more social settings are getting comfortable with the moral things that are being called good. And I'm going to prefer to 
a guy named Harry Houdini. I just like magicians. I know it's probably not good, but... Okay. Sorry. There. Is that better? Yes. Even sounds better. Well, Mr. Houdini was considered one of the greatest illusionists of his time back in the 19, early 1900s. And it didn't matter how they bound this man, whether it was by chains, handcuffs, shackles, straight jackets. They put him in a safe. They put him in a box. They rode him off a bridge. He'd escape. So he started to do things more daringly to get people's attention. No one of his life-threatening escapes. He's, he's going to jump off this bridge. And it was the Belle Isles Bridge. And they chained him up and bound him up, these big old heavy chains. And he jumped. After he got down into the water, people started getting scared and nervous because he'd been down there for a few minutes or a few seconds. Seen him struggling, trying to get his chains loose. But what they didn't know is he had a key. He had a master key for every lock that was on there. That one key would open every lock that was on him. So the whole time, all these people were messing, you know, just trying to jump in and help him, trying to save him, trying to do this, and he wasn't ever in no real danger. He did have a plan. And although it seemed like there was a lot of danger, in which he could have died if he had failed. But the main point was that he had a plan. And his assistants that were with him, if something did happen to go wrong, they'd jump in. They'd bust the case. They'd try to save his life, whatever. But the people were pretty much devoted to him. They'd risk their own safety to help him. So he had a well-thought-out course of action, and then he had a contingency plan, a backup plan. And a lot of us are becoming more careless with our lives, our spiritual lives. See, God has already prepared plans, and he backs them up with his word. But, like Houdini, we have the key, and he's already redeemed these situations. There are three reasons that Jesus came, and they are to seek and save the lost. And the Bible says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And number two was to give life and give it more abundantly. It says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the third one is to set the captives free. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. The third reason is the one I'm here tonight to speak about. Living in bondage is a spiritual incarceration. Is anything in your life that has a grip on you, which means whatever captures our attentions or any habits that draws us away from God, this is important because indulging in these things of this world could ruin our testimony for God and our walk. So we need to fight the urge to be careless with these things. When we say it's okay, it's just this one time, that's an indication it's a deeper issue. 
I've heard people say, I'm tough enough, or I can handle it, or it's not a big deal. We do this all the time and may not even be aware of it. From the television that we watch to the music that we listen to, even down to the conversations that we have with each other. It's very important that we maintain our spiritual integrity. It has been said that the character of an individual is what they do when no one's looking. What may have us bound. There's error in the way that some of us has been taught, myself included. I have an uncle. He always told me, you do the best you can, uh, he'll let you in. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I hope he listened to me when I tried to correct him. Evil habits such as lying and deception. A lot of that comes off of being a fear of being rejected. People want to make themselves be something that they're not. Drugs, sexual immorality, drunkenness, laziness, and profanity. Emotional bondage. This is the most elusive and dangerous. And the types of emotional bondage are spiritual fear, such as fear of people, fear of failing, never being good enough, false guilt. You ever repented of something and you know that God's forgiven you and it just keeps coming back to you? Well, that's Satan. He wants nothing more but you to focus on your past so he can beat you down with condemnation, which leads into doubt and depression. Jealousy. Worry and anxiety. I myself have sat in here and be listening to the pastor and be worried about my kids, and I couldn't tell you what it was he said when I got out the door because I was so worried about my kids. Feeling that you can never please God. Bitterness. We've already talked about unforgiveness. Insecurity, such as those, those around me like me or accept me. Just because we don't believe something that, about ourselves doesn't make it any less true. The Bible says that I am chosen, I am loved, I am strong, and I'm the apple of his eye. It is amazing to me that the scripture said this, that we are chosen. It wasn't by accident. It was by divine appointment. And it's hard for me to understand it sometimes, to have been handpicked by God. Sometimes when I get down, and I don't see how any of that could be said about me. But I choose to believe what he says, even when I don't understand it. We may begin to act contrary to God's plans for our lives. We may even say, don't I deserve to be happy? We've all heard people say that. I deserve to do what I want to in my own life. The Bible says we deserve death. And it's by God's grace that we have anything to rejoice over. We must remember that Satan does not get to choose our life for us. And we need to get it deep into our understanding that our enemy was defeated at the cross. We must be armed. We're no longer bound by the chains of sin. But we may still be holding on to them without even realizing it. When we say that we're afraid, we're unwillingly or unknowingly saying that our fear is bigger than God. When we're jealous, we're saying that what God has given us is not good enough. 
And with bitterness and anger, we're saying that we know, we know better than God what's best for us. Almost all of us have the same problems and issues. And it's how we choose to handle them. That's the difference. When people say, I've tried to change, the Bible tells us to be of sober mind and judgment. And from the words of this text used here to tell us that, one would assume that we have the ability to do so. We're prepared by using his word, his promise, and the blood of his son. We're depending on him. Now what hope would we have had had Jesus succumbed to Satan's trials? It would have been a devastating disaster. But thank God for his divine purpose. Jesus would never submit to the devil. He is the living word, the Bible says. And that means he's filled with the word of God and the Holy Spirit. He was armed. And we need to be just like that. I can tell you a story about when I was a kid in school. I kind of was on the fence about it because it's, uh, it's not pleasant. But I was a scrawny man, a young person. I was four foot nine inches tall in the seventh grade. That's not very tall. And I wasn't but about 85 pounds, if that. But this one fella, he always picked on me. I never did nothing to him. I tried to appease him, tried to get him to like me, be my friend. Here's my friend who's beat me up every time he got a chance. And come to think about it, he was probably had failed about two or three times, so I think he's supposed to be in the 10th grade. So, anyhow, I lived in two different households. I had my biological dad in one house, and I had my stepdad in another. My stepdad told me, well, if you get in a fight and get in trouble at school, I'm going to tear you up ground you. And my dad, he was a boxer, scrapper. He's like, if you ever let anybody beat you down, I'm going to tear you up and ground you. <laughs> so you see I'm kind of caught in between a rock and a hard place. So I went to my biological dad, which was probably not a good idea. But he told me, he's like, you know, I can go down there and talk to the principal. We can talk to this young person. We can talk to this young person. More than likely, he's going to continue doing what he's doing. And if not, it'll get worse. I was like, well, that's, that's not good enough. You know, I went to him to help me. So, went back to school the next day. And here he come. Now, this day was different. This man kicked me off. Anybody been to Holt High School? Y'all know where Holt High School is? All right. You know where the football field is down there? All right. He kicked me from the football field all the way to the gym, which is about a block and a half. And he just kicked me all the way up there. So I was like, so I put all my books down. And I, I just let him have it. So <laughs> not going to go into all the details of what happened, because I can't really say that I remember them. But after that day, he never messed with me again. Never. Even the people, he, other people he was picking on started jumping on him. I actually felt bad for him. <laughs> Man, I almost started going trying to defend a young person. <laughs> but 
He was very intimidating to me. And people would be calling you names because you wouldn't stand up for yourself, belittling you. Yeah, it was very hard. But after that day, nobody ever did that no more. I've, I've always felt that if you're in the right, no matter what it is, as long as you're in the right, you're not going to fail. You can't. Not in any situation. And this brings me to my point. If we're in the right relationship with God, well, we're not going to fail. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that those who he loves, those who obey him, those who try to keep their life according to him, they fail. They might not have it easy. Things might go wrong as they do. But he never fails. We have to re realize an important truth here. God can stop everything that harms us. He can, he can come in and interject and stop everything that we go through. But what we would learn from that, he wants us to rely on him, but he also wants us to be prepared for our enemy. The scripture is clear on this. And you know that bully was never going to stop messing with me. If I wouldn't have finally stood up to him, he'd have just kept on. And I, I think I had like seven more months to go. I don't think I could have tolerated it. But just like that, the devil has bullied and beat so many people. And for the most part, he has made their lives miserable. And the one thing that we need to remember is fighting does cause injuries. You may get sore, you may get bruised, you may even have some blood. But you're going to get them anyway. You might as well start getting your hits in. Don't let them, don't let them, don't let them dominate over you. And overcoming spiritual bondage, we must realize our spiritual possessions given to us at the time of salvation. And that we have God's nature within us. And we also have to realize who we are in Christ. And how do you become free? Satan's lies will tell you that you've tried and you've failed and that you're going to fail again. And that's his tactics. They're lies. And if you believe them, and you listen to him, you've surrendered your will to him. And you've accepted that as a part of your life. And now he has a stronghold there. But as a Christian, you are responsible for you being free as far after the blood has forgiven you. At some point, you have to realize that you're not growing, you're not maturing, you're not as close to God as you'd like to be or supposed to be, really. And we as believers are free. And we have to make choices to accept it. We can be free on a daily basis. It's by how we respond to circumstances based on our confession of salvation. Being a child of God and how God views us. <clears throat> have any of y'all, how many of y'all's got pets in here, dogs? How many of y'all's got these uh, these little border fences in your yard? You got one? Yes. Okay. Well, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about then here in a minute. I got a neighbor. His name's Les Duncan. Real good guy. But he's not a young fella no more. 
He's got this. It's a good-sized dog, and that thing breaks loose, gets, takes off running through the woods. He has to get out and go find it. So he went and bought him one of these uh, border trainers. It's got a collar to shock him just a little, give him some attention. And uh, every time this dog, he, he'd have to go get this dog, and he finally went and got him one, got it put in the ground. You know, they got to dig the line, put it in, then they put, a, put up all the little flags, and then he puts a collar on the animal. And then every time that dog goes across that line or gets near it, he'll get a warning. Either by a buzz or a beep, or and then if he just refuses to not listen to it, he'll uh, he'll get shocked. <laughs> and they can adjust it. It just really depends on how unruly the animal is. I think the first time he said it just bolted straight through it, and I had to go catch him and turn it up. <laughs> now my friend can sit in his house, and he don't have to worry about this dog taking off. See, the dog's already been trained. He can see, he's got a visual, he's got a, he can hear it, and if he refuses the visual and hearing it, then he's got a, a subtle reminder, it's a little bit of pain, so, so it's, got, it's got all his senses. Anyway, he took the collar off of the animal, he took it off the poor dog, but it took, I think it took about a week. Now that dog will go right up to the edge, he won't go no further. You know, he don't, it ain't no beeping going on. There's not no shot, but he'll sit right there at that edge. He won't even cross it. And that's how the devil deals with us. See, if we start getting a little too close, he'll turn that up. And see, the animal remembers the past experience, even though he doesn't have the collar on. And we can be trapped like that with all these fears. God has freed us, and Satan is dependent on the fact that we remember the past and how it felt to be hurt or let down. And he also wants us to remember the boundary lines. That's why I remind you of your failures and your regrets. And the things about them boundary collars is they don't work unless the dog has the collar and the transmitter's cut on. It won't hurt, hurt the dog. It takes both of them. God's already taken care of our chains or collars we got to ask ourselves, who's really holding us back? 